go look at the other sponsors, the other funders uh, of the things that are funded by Coke and Soros. Look at the funders of the Atlantic Council. You'll see the virtual who's who of the weapons manufacturers are the funders of these organizations. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. This is James Corbett, CorbettReport.com, in a conversation that's being recorded on the 3rd of March, 2020. And you will recall, if you cast your mind back to July 4th of last year, I released a video which uh, I entitled, Coke and Soros Team Up for World Peace, WTF, which was about the founding of the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft, which Stephen Kinzer of the Boston Globe was telling us at the time was going to be potentially, at least, a institute that would argue in the Washington uh, Beltway think tank circle for uh, peace, or at least on the peace side of the equation, for responsible statecraft. And you might remember that I was a little bit quizzical at the time. I don't know if Coke and Soros are really going to be funding a peaceful institute to argue against the U.S. forever war. And lo and behold... A few months into the creation of this institute, we have good reason to suspect that our suspect uh, uh, questions about this institute are, in fact, supported. And I will draw your attention to an article that I found recently that went into some detail about this. It's called The Coke Soros Quincy Project, A Train Wreck of Neocon and Humanitarian Inter- humanitarian in quotation marks, interventionists. And that article is by Daniel McAdams of the Ron Paul Institute, uh, co-host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. I'm sure many of my listeners will already know of him. If not, you can at least refer back to our previous conversations that we've had here on the Corbett Report. And I will, of course, direct you to the Ron Paul Institute and the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Daniel McAdams, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, James, for having me back on your program. I really enjoy your work. All right. Well, let's get right into the meat and potatoes of this article. First, for people who didn't catch my video last year or haven't heard about it, what is the Coke Soros-funded Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft? Well, it, 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 let's just say this. It sucked in a lot of people who are our friends. And as you mentioned in our private conversations, you know, you could be burning some bridges with some people. And there are a lot of well-meaning people. And I think it, it just kind of shows how desperate some people are. But uh, the idea, it was sold as an odd couple, and this is what I write in my in my article. Oh, this is an odd couple. The left-wing Soros and the right-wing Koch are putting their differences aside, and now they're going to fund a non-interventionist think tank. Well, the whole thing is, uh, is, is, uh, is bogus because Soros is not left-wing and Koch is not right-wing. They're both oligarchs. They're both uh, people uh, who spend billions of dollars overseas uh, and interestingly enough, they never fund anything that is at odds with official U.S. foreign policy, uh, if you look at everything they do. So, uh, you know, from the very beginning, the idea that Koch and Soros would come together and save uh, America from our endless interventionist foreign policy, a lot of people saw some, uh, some red lights, uh, and I was one of them, and I know you were as well, James. All right, so let's let's actually look at what ha- they have accomplished so far, far or not accomplished. And uh, you point in your article to a uh, conference that they recently put together and what it shows about the type of people that they're relying on. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is a, a, a foreign policy they, they conference that they put on just last week. And it was billed as a, a new direction in American foreign policy, a brand new uh, view of America's place in the world. And okay, that, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like something we might support. 
But then when you look at the individuals who are participating in the conference, you start scratching your head because these are the same people that brought us the old U.S. one policy, the one that is crap, you know, according to according to everyone. So here you have uh, the same people responsible for our disastrous foreign policy, and a lot of them were heavily involved in the Obama administration, the Obama, uh, the Obama world. Uh, now coming out to tell us that uh, they have a new, a new direction in foreign policy, and there's been a lot of focus, James, on the fact that the opening speaker, the actual uh, big opening speaker, uh, is uh, is none other than General uh, David Petraeus, uh, who is the antithesis of a non-interventionist, the antithesis of even a realist or a restrainer, uh, and that caught a lot of people's attention. And we can talk about having him there. And let's also talk about the fact that a lot of money went because this guy doesn't do anything for free. But I think that is kind of missing the point because the real point of criticism for the conference is not that they paid someone like David Petraeus, uh, who some people call a war criminal, uh, probably rightly so, to come and give a talk without, by the way, and we can talk about this too, James, without having someone next to him to dispute what he's saying. There wasn't a debate. He was throwing some softball questions from the editor of Foreign Policy magazine. It was basically a love fest, and he walked off the stage. Uh, but the problem is deeper than that. The problem is philosophical, because the aim of this conference was really not a new U.S. foreign policy. Uh, it was basically to dress up the old U.S. foreign policy in a way that's more acceptable to the elites in the Beltway. And that's what it was all about. The audience were Beltway elites. It was yet another one of these events where all of the Beltway elites get together, uh, shake each other's hands, smile, say how wonderful things are, uh, where are you now, oh, I'm at Brookings, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it was. It's a philosophical deficit in the entire creation of Quincy that is the problem, not just the Petraeus thing, which itself is pretty low-hanging fruit if you want to criticize it. So let's address that philosophical issue. What would an actually new vision of America in the world look like? And how does the Quincy Institute fail to deliver on that vision? Well, a new vision would be a non-interventionist foreign policy. What they like to use are terms like realism and restraint. Uh, and the thing about that term is those terms is that doesn't mean anything. They're absolutely meaningless terms because anything could be packaged as a realist or a restrained uh, approach. Oh, okay, we're not going to bomb Syria back to the Stone Age. Uh, we're just going to do some selective bombing. We're going to put a couple of cruise missiles somewhere. We're not going to bomb the whole place. Oh, we're just going to put some sanctions on Venezuela for their own good. Uh, we're not going to send in the military. Uh, of course, sanctions are an act of war. So the whole concept is 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 wrong. And it goes down to the to the actual chairman of the Quincy Institute, uh, a woman called Susan DiMaggio, and she opened the conference by talking a little bit about Quincy. And she starts by saying, and I'm quoting her because I've just, I, I watched most of the conference. The purpose of Quincy Institute is to bring about a fundamental reorientation of foreign policy, of U.S. foreign policy, based on a peaceful and robust engagement with the world. And then she, um, and then she goes on, this is her opening statement at the conference, to reassure everyone, oh, don't worry, we're not those evil isolationists. Quote, nothing can be further than, from the truth. And she said, we believe that the United States must be engaged globally in ways that promote the cause of peace. And then later, she says, and stability. 
Well, the problem with that is it's a huge open door for every intervention we've seen so far. Every single intervention from Syria to Ukraine to Libya to Venezuela, Bolivia, everywhere could fall into that category. You could make a good argument, especially if you believe the media hype and the propaganda about each of these issues. So essentially, she says nothing that would change our mind, that would, that would change U.S. foreign policy. And here's a good example, James. I just put an article up. Dave DeCamp wrote a great piece today featured on antiwar.com. Let's take Bolivia. Well, that was, for the, that was because the people's voices weren't being heard. We had to participate in the overthrow of Evo Morales' government uh, because he stole the election. The Organization of American States determined that he stole the election, so therefore we have to overthrow him. Well, he's been overthrown. And guess what? MIT just concluded a, a detailed study of that election. It turns out that the OAS, which, by the way, is funded by the U.S. government, as are many of the think tanks that participated in this conference, the OAS was wrong. They lied, I would say. Uh, there was no cheating in the election. Oh, oh well, too bad. That's just uh, another one that we, uh, sorry, got it wrong. But none of these things, even Siri, in fact, DiMaggio herself, she was, in the, she was a senior fellow at the New America Foundation, uh, which, which solidly supported U.S. intervention in Syria. They were for no-fly zones. They were for partitioning the country. Uh, so, so nothing that she said to explain how they were different really said anything about how they were different. It reminds me of an old technique that is used for framing debates and basically capturing the language that is used for describing dissent. And I liken this back to the Afghanistan papers, which came out a couple of months ago. Everyone was freaking out. This is the most amazing crusading piece of journalism. The Washington Post has blown the lid off the Afghanistan war by prying out these documents from the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, which ultimately were just a bunch of interviews with the likes of David Petraeus and others covering their own ass about what their own culpability and responsibility in the Afghanistan mess. And it was literally part of a project called Lessons Learned, which was about how we can apply the lessons of Afghanistan to future regime change operations, which for some reason, again, I saw the anti-war crowd swallowing this up. Yay, the Afghanistan papers, when in fact it was internal U.S. government propaganda that ultimately bolstered all of the narratives. It threw a few crumbs out. Oh, we're spending money, too much money. We're spending it in the wrong way, rather than questioning the fundamental assumptions that led to the war in the first place, exactly as the Quincy Institute is now taking this word of peace and using it to sell, essentially, as you point out in your article, an extension of the forever war. Can you talk a little bit about the framing of the debate that's going on here? Well, that's, I couldn't say it better than you could, James. That's the whole point. Let's not forget the Washington Post isn't about to do anything to change America's foreign policy. So one should be immediately, uh, uh, immediately question uh, the motive in this. And, and it's the same thing that the, that, the, that the Quincy Institute does. It's basically whitewashing a disastrous foreign policy so we can continue to do what we've been doing, what Washington has been doing, yet call it something different. And I think what's interesting in, in DiMaggio's introduction at the conference uh, is that she said Quincy brings together progressives, centrists, and conservatives. She never said libertarians. She never said anti-war people. Uh, so it explicitly doesn't bring those people together. Those people are not welcome. And in fact, there wasn't a single non-interventionist 
on any single panel of the event. In fact, most of the speakers were in favor of more war and more interventions overseas. Uh, so it's, 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 it's amazing. But, you know, this is something, James, I'm sure you know this. Every few years, there'll be an article from a neocon saying, don't call us neocons anymore. It's so mean and rude. It's because the name is a pejorative, uh, just like being called John Bolton. Nobody wants to be called John Bolton. So these guys want to do the same thing because they're all in the same club. They're all in the same Beltway club. They want to keep doing the same thing uh, and, and, and call it something different and try to, as I say in the article, try to hope that the rubes over in flyover country don't notice the difference. So that is, uh, that's exactly what the case is. That's exactly what the Afghanistan papers, although there was some valuable uh, information in there that we could use for our purpose. Uh, but overall, you're right. It's about, it's about whitewashing uh, so they can continue to pursue such a terrible policy. All right. Well, let's talk. As as you said, there are people that that we know uh, that have promoted or or put faith in this institution. There are even people who write for this institute who are listed as authors and experts in various programs who have done good work on various subjects in the past. So people like Trita Parsi, who's done great work on the Iran deal and the real meaning of that in the past, who are now experts on the Quincy Institute board. What do we say to people who are actually supporting this institute at this point, uh, now that we know where they are taking this, the framing of this debate? Well, they have to examine what, they're really, what they really think. You know, Dr. Paul, when he was in Congress, he always had the view of that if there was a piece of legislation that brings us uh, in the direction of something positive, then he would be inclined to support it. And so uh, the argument could be made that this brings us in the direction of a different foreign policy. I disagree with that argument because I think you have to strike the root and go to the founding. The organization was founded by two people who the, was funded primarily by two people who that is the last thing they would want in the world. And how do we know this? In the same month of this conference, the Quincy Conference, their first conference, uh, uh, the Koch Foundation gave a multi-million dollar grant to, to I think, four organizations, uh, two of which, one of which is the Atlantic Council, the antithesis of restraint, the antithesis of a peaceful foreign policy. They've been beating the drum for war with Russia for years. They gave it to them, and then they gave some millions to the Rand Corporation, which also gets, uh, I wrote this down because I couldn't believe it, $300 million in government grants, U.S. government grants. It's an extension of the U.S. government. This is what, uh, this is what Koch gave the same month uh, that he's, that this conference is coming out. And look at someone like George Soros. He also funds the Atlantic Council. He funds the Center for American Progress, which, as I mentioned, I wrote a couple things down about them. Uh, they oppose troop withdrawal from Syria. They promote the lie that Assad used chemical weapons on his own people. Uh, they demand that Assad be removed from power. These are all papers from the Center for American Progress, now just called American Progress. Oh, no, New America. Sorry, New America. Support the partition of Syria. Support, quote, aggressive diplomacy. Uh, promote the lie that Russia invaded Ukraine, and so on and so on. These are the people that are being funded uh, by Soros and Koch. And what we're supposed to uh, believe that somehow uh, they've, you know, this is, this is sort of like Hegel, right? You know, but here's another thing, by the way, James, but let's not forget this. Uh, you see all the names on the marquee of who funded the conference. I also saw something called the Pivotal Foundation, which was a major sponsor. And I wasn't familiar with them, so I went and took a look and see what they were all about. 
They are the major donor to, ding, ding, the McCain Foundation. Uh, they were listed in the very top category of donors, having given over $100,000 to the McCain Institute, uh, the, one of the, uh, the epicenters of neoconservative interventionist thought. These are the funders and the sponsors of this event. So, you know, come on, you know, it's, uh, it's with stupid, law in action. No matter who you vote for, you always get uh, John McCain. Well, no matter who you <laughs> sponsor, you always literally. get John McCain. You can't get rid of him. Um, absolutely incredible. Well, let's do a compare and contrast then. Uh, we have the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft, and we see what they're getting up to. We have the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity, which is not generating headlines in the mainstream press. No one's heralding this as a new chance to end U.S. foreign policy interventionism or whatever. Uh, But that's exactly what it is. So what is the Ron Paul Institute for? What was it founded for? What does it do? Well, we got a couple of headlines when we started because they were a little bit worried. Uh, Jamie Kerchak and his crew smeared us as, I don't know, probably white nationalists or or some ridiculous, uh, you know, some ridiculous slur that they could put on. Of course, I'm sure they dug up uh, the old Ron Paul newsletters, you know, ad nauseum. Uh, but then they've been able to ignore us because we're not a Beltway organization. We don't have millions of dollars that we can throw around in a conference like this, you know. Uh, we do hold conferences and we do have a full house, uh, but we have a philosophical perspective and it's very, it's very, very specific. It's not using the word restraint. Oh, we just want to change things a little bit. No, we want a non-interventionist foreign policy. We also say, by the way, that we are not isolationists because we're not. But, you know, even in one of the debates, it was, it was actually the guy from the Koch Foundation. I'm sure it's not a bad guy. He's not an evil guy. But he said, oh, it's not just government uh, diplomacy. We want the civil society uh, to be out engaged in diplomacy overseas. Well, the, as you know, the NGOs are mostly funded by the U.S. government, the ones that act overseas. So what we want is a non-interventionist foreign policy where the government doesn't do anything but we want the American businessman, the American tourist, the American uh, student uh, traveler uh, to go overseas. And that's the kind of d- diplomacy we want because it's pure, it's pure uh, diplomacy. It's not uh, using coercion, uh, which is everything the U.S. government does overseas is coercion. All right. Well, uh, there's so much more for people to, uh, to dig in about this topic. Um, are there any resources you'd like to recommend people um, who are interested in an actual foreign policy that doesn't have to do with interventionism and forever war? Well, certainly the Ron Paul Liberty Report, which we broadcast uh, every every workday in the week, Monday through Friday on YouTube live, is, is something I would go to. But, you know, at the Ron Paul Institute website, uh, we try to put up three or four articles a day that are some of them, a lot of them are in-house uh, written. Uh, but we also find some others and reprint them that we think basically with a few minutes of time and study – you can get a good handle on uh, what's really going on in the world and how you should really think about it, because the main thing to fight war is to fight war propaganda, and that is our main event. And certainly come out to see us in, uh, at one of our conferences, uh, which we hold two or three conferences a year. All right. Any final parting thoughts uh, for people who are still uh, on the fence about the Quincy Institute? Look, I understand the desperation that people feel to have a savior who's going to come and write a huge check and save us all from this. Trust me, uh, I hate the idea uh, I, I, I hate the idea of having to, 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 to look under every rock for a couple of dollars to keep things going. It's the nature of being anti-war. There's no money in being anti-war. There's money in promoting interventionism overseas. And if anyone doubts it, go look at the other sponsors, the other funders 
uh, of the things that are funded by Koch and Soros. Look at the funders of the Atlantic Council. You'll see the virtual who's who of the weapons manufacturers are the funders of these organizations. Because what they want to do more than anything is rescue what they've been doing, the name has having been sullied by their mistakes, and to be able to keep doing it. There's a ton of money there. There's not a lot of money in fighting for, for peace and for non-interventionism. But, you know, take a look at how much debt we have. Take a look at the $1.2 trillion or more dollar Pentagon budget every year that comes out of the pockets of every working man and woman in this country. That's money stolen from your children's college, uh, from, the, from, from your dinner table. So that's the idea we're going to get across. These people are, are extraordinarily wealthy and powerful, and they want to maintain that power. And they'll do anything. They'll tell any lie to be able to maintain that power. And they will co-opt otherwise decent people like, like Kinzer, who I think is a great writer. Um, people believe because they want to believe. Unfortunately, we're in a time where deceit is universal. Uh, so you have to be skeptical of, of everything. Be skeptical when you see a savior coming. Uh, because often when you look behind the mask, you see the horrible face of John McCain. <laughs> So true, sadly. All right. The article, once again, is The Coke Soros Quincy Project, A train wreck of Neocon and Humanitarian Interventionists. I do hope people will read it because there's a lot of detail in there and you provide quite a few links and, and further information on this subject for people who are interested. interested. It's at ronpaulinstitute.org. The link will be in the show notes uh, for everyone who's interested in checking that out. Daniel McAdams, thank you again for your time today. Thank you so much. The Corbett Report is brought to you by The Corbett Report subscriber. A weekly newsletter featuring James Corbett's international forecaster editorial, recommended reading and viewing, discounts on Corbett Report DVDs, and once a month, a subscriber-only video. Sign up today to start receiving your copy at corbettreport.com support.